Hello members and people on the podcast. Welcome back to, well, (laughs) Salem Witch Trials. Satan's storm. But each was the darkness of that day. The tortures and lamentations of the afflicted. And the power of former presidents that we walked in the clouds and could not see our way and we have most cause to be humbled for error on that hand which cannot be retrieved Reverend John Hale The middle of January 1692 strange events began to take place in Salem Village personage Reverend Samuel Paris and his wife, Elizabeth, began to notice that their daughter, Betty, and their niece, Abigail Williams, were behaving oddly. Betty was nine, and her cousin was about eleven, vulnerable ages, in a time when illness, all too often, proved rather deadly. The Parises must have been truly alarmed as the girl's afflictions gradually worsened, but they initially were concerned that these were signs of sickness. Samuel later observed that it was several weeks before such hellish apparitions as witchcraft was suspected. Soon the minister called in friends and colleagues, including Reverend John Hale from neighbouring Beverly, to observe the girls. Hale noted These children were bitten and pinched by invisible agents. Their arms, necks and backs turned this way and that way and returned back again. So as it was impossible for them to do of themselves and beyond the power of any epileptic fits or natural disease to affect. Sometimes they were taken dumb, their mouths stopped, their throats choked. Their limbs racked and tormented, so as might move a heart of stone to sympathise with them, with bowels of compassion for them. They also suffered by pins invisibly stuck into their flesh and pricking, yes, pricking with irons. By the middle of February, Reverend Paris strongly suspected that his daughter and niece were absolutely bewitched. On Thursday, February 25th, Samuel and Elizabeth left home for a neighbouring village to attend Thursday Lecture, a weekly religious sermon that rotated from one town to the next. In their absence, neighbour Mary Sibley instructed the Parisers, two slaves, Tichaba and her husband, John Indian, to make a witch cake, to try to detect the identity of the girl's tormentors. They baked a loaf of rye bread, mixed with some urine from the afflicted girls, then fed it to the family dog. This was one of the many known counter-magical folk remedies, such as horseshoes placed over doorways to ward off evil. When the dog ate the witch cake, it was supposed to reveal the witch's identity. Indeed, 
the afflicted girls soon cried out that it was Tichipa who was tormenting them. Reverend Paris traced the discovery of witchcraft to Salem Village to this incident. He would later publicly chastise Mary Sibley in front of the congregation for the diabolical means she used to detect witchcraft. He warned, by this means, the devil's hath been raised among us, and his rage, his rage is vehement and terrible, and when he shall be silenced, the Lord only knows. However, well intentioned and intentional her actions had been, Sibley had carried out magic ministers in Europe and America and long struggled with this problem, although white magic, such as the baking of bread, was meant to help, it still apparently invoked Satan. As such, Sibley was guilty of witchcraft, and now accused Tichiba. Contrary to the popular opinion, there is absolutely no evidence that Tichiba and the Paris girls had engaged in fortune-telling or any other form of white magic, because there is a story that apparently Tichiba showed the girls how they could see their beloved ones, their husbands. And she did this with Mary. It was Mary and Tichiba. And they broke an egg into a glass of water to scry into it. And one of the girls apparently saw something very bad and then went insane. That's not true. They did nothing of the sort. Just so we're clear. On the same day, the witch cake was baked. Two other girls, living on opposite sides of the village, suffered their initial demonic inflictions. Anne Putnam Jr. was the 12-year-old daughter of Thomas Putnam and his wife, Anne Carr Putnam. Early Massachusetts families often named their firstborn after their mother or her mother. Some of the conventions of the SR and the JR, you know, junior, senior. Are you, they're used in the book to avoid sort of confusion between families. The family lived among the road to Andover, more than a mile west of the parsonage. 17-year-old Elizabeth Hubbard worked as a maid for her aunt, Rachel Griggs, and Rachel's husband, Dr William Griggs. They lived about two miles east of the personage in a part of Salem that was located just outside the bounds of Salem Village. While they lived some distance apart, both families would have known what was happening. Putnam was among Reverend Paris's inner circle of supporters, and scholars believed that Griggs was the unnamed doctor who had been attending the girls and determined they were under an evil hand. The afflictions of the girls in the Paris household grew worse in the days following the baking of the witch cake. Abigail and Betty blamed Atichaba for their torments and claimed that her spectre chased them around the house. Reverend Paris, well, invited several area ministers as well as some Salem gentlemen to see the girls. They agreed that the children were being attacked by Satan. Meanwhile, troubles continued with Anne Putnam Jr. and Elizabeth Hubbard. 
Anne, said the spectre of Sarah Good, pinched her and tried to coerce her to sign the devil's book, an act that would establish a formal covenant with Satan. Good was a poor, disaffected woman, known for a sharp tongue and outbursts, hurled even at those who offered to help her. Elizabeth believed she was being stalked by a wolf sent by Sarah Good. She was also tormented by Sarah Osborne, a bedridden woman who lived on the northern edge of Salem Village, who was accompanied by a short and hairy thing with two legs and two wings. Osborne, a widow, not only was plagued by ill health, but had scandalised the community when she purchased the contract of an indentured servant, Alexandra Osborne, and married him, with four girls now afflicted. Four Salem village men travelled several miles to the coast to buy to the busy Salem town on Monday, February the 29th. This was to begin legal proceedings against Tichaba, Good and Osborne. And Putnam's father, Thomas, and his brother, Edward, were accompanied by Joseph Hutchinson and Thomas Preston. The men swore out legal complaints before local magistrates Jonathan Corwin and John Hawthorne, accusing the women of suspicious of witchcraft, and thereby much injury done. Corwin and Hawthorne were wealthy Salem merchants, respected, very respected politicians, though they lacked formal legal training. This had not been a concern in their work, with the petty crimes and civil offences of the local court, but both must have been taken aback by the charges of diabolical high crimes they heard that day. They issued warrants, ordering the constables to arrest the women and have them at Ingersoll's Ordinary or Tavern by ten the next morning for questioning. The tavern was in the heart of Salem Village, a minute's walk from the parsonage and the meeting house. That's the next part of the Salem Witch Trials. Um, I will also provide members with a picture of Salem, sort of the village, in 1692, so you can see where it would be situated and how things would have worked out. There's markings on there that show the areas we are speaking of for you to better understand it. So when we come back, it will be the next morning where they will, indeed, I suppose, meet. Thank you for listening and many blessings.